Welcome to Junior to Senior, the podcast for ambitious devs who want to take their career to the next level. I'm your host, David Gutman. Today I'm joined by Spencer Allen to talk about the hiring from the other side of the table. Spencer, welcome to the show, buddy. Hi, David. Uh, for folks who are just meeting you for the first time, uh, some of them are going to know you from your role uh, from JSLA, uh, but could you share a little bit about who you are and your background? Sure. Uh, so I've been a recruiter exclusively focused on the LA area in startups for about 10 years. I would say I almost exclusively focus uh, technology hires. Um, yeah. Right on. Yeah. Spencer and I met each other, uh, I was going to say almost 10 years ago at a meetup, uh, actually where Ryan Dahl spoke, the creator of Node.js. And we've definitely, definitely become great friends since then. That was, uh, so <laughs> quite a while ago. <laughs> yeah. So why why don't you start off by saying a little bit about how you got into what you do? Um, yeah. Just how did you start recruiting? Sure. Um, so I originally moved to LA like 15 years ago from the South. Um, I studied sound engineering. Thought that was career. Apparently, I took a job with a friend. Uh, running a small call center and um, someone that I was a handyman for um, while I was in school basically hired recession recruiter. Um, they trained me up in what they are relationship oriented and locally model. Um, my best friend and my mentor. Um, yeah, it was just a very fortuitous thing that I kind of fell in uh, the way that I did. Awesome. So I think it's really interesting as a developer, a developer's view of a recruiter, I think, only shows one half or maybe even less. I think I would be interested to hear what it was like when you first started, what you knew about development, software engineers, and, and how, that, how that looked to you. Yeah, so I, I knew basically nothing about technology. Like I had studied a certain amount of uh, like sound engineering software and technology, but nowhere near like the depth and scale of something like web tech. And I definitely think it was kind of intimidating and daunting. I remember coming out of the recession, our first searches were like J to each body. Um, oh, jQuery, that's a name. <laughs> but it definitely was one of those things that I had a, a long learning curve. And I think I actually... I kind of enjoy being in a place where I know nothing. I really like asking for someone's expertise and kind of showing a certain amount of, I guess, humility about it. Um, I had a lot of fun just making friends with developers early on. In fact, uh, one of the things I did to kind of, I would say equal parts like ingratiate myself with the local tech community and also just gain maybe a project understanding of development. I started learning Python and solving Project Euler questions like one through 50 uh, before I moved on to JavaScript, uh, even more confused. Um, <laughs> oh, like asynchronous, asynchronous really uh, throws a wrench into things. Exactly. I released Zalgo many times. Um, but uh, <laughs> it definitely was uh, kind of a fun learning experience. I even started like building web scrapers uh, to kind of follow my competition, who in the local was hiring. Um, but over time, I feel like I started to get at least a kind of a systemic understanding of how technology, if not more. Yeah, I think I think you're being quite modest. I, I, I think what's interesting to me is just how intensely you threw yourself into the world. I mean, by going to the meetups, listening to those talks, I think for a lot of people, they just don't have that interest in really understanding what it what it means to be a developer, the types of problems that developers are working on. And 
I think importantly, just what is interesting, what is not, what those motivations are. And not only did you do that with the social events, which I think is hugely important. Uh, I think one of the things that I recommend for a new developer is just trying to skill up is to attend those events. I do think understanding the culture is probably one of the most important things for for a developer. But beyond that, you you actually are building projects for yourself. I think you you were building tools that you used day to day as a recruiter. And so I think building tools for yourself and using them, I think is a hallmark of yeah. a developer. Even in the most basic sense, I remember I kind of wanted to understand how, um, you know, how a certain, uh, I think it was, I wanted to understand Flask. Express was becoming pretty big and Sinatra was saying, and I just wanted to understand how these very lightweight kind of API focused worked. And one of the first things I remember is my mentor had this quoted. Um, if anyone knows anything about CRM, they know uh, ACT. It's been around forever. It's like a Microsoft-based platform. That only interfaces with Outlook. You have to use Windows. It's truly terrible. I got used to using a Mac a long time ago. But one of the things that was frustrating about it was if I was on my way to a meeting and I needed to text or call somebody, um, I didn't have my laptop in front of me to look up their cell phone number. So what I wanted was the ability to access those. So what I would do is uh, I built a Heroku app and had a very simple cron job that would pull uh, a CSV file that was pushed out daily from the database with just people's cell phone and email and names so that I would have a very lightweight web app in my phone and find someone's number. And it's ridiculously simple and stupid, but for what I do for a living, it's extremely powerful. So it was kind of one of those extensions of an antiquated technology that helped me a lot. And I learned a ton from doing it. Like I got to big search and stuff like that. It was just fun. Yeah, again, I think you're being modest. I, I, what, what is so interesting to me is that your, your path for trying to understand the, the, the developers and the engineers and the people that, that you were trying to recruit, that path, I think, is identical to the path that I recommend any junior developer or new developer taking. And so I think that's so cool that you've been through that. So I do want to move on to hear a little bit more about the style of recruiting that you do. You are a contingency recruiter, and I'm not entirely sure everybody knows what that is. Sure. So contingency model is something you also hear about in uh, basically what it means. My payment is contingent. On, so any sort of search that I do typically will be with a startup. And I would say contingency is actually one of the more expensive ways a company can hire. Um, it's very representative of kind of high demand targeted search. So um, if someone needs to hire, uh, say, an Android engineer who's extremely hard to find with a specific type of specialization, um, they would talk to me. And a lot of it is about leveraging a relationship network that I already have. Um, I would say it's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum from the triage of job boards. Um, but in a nutshell, I get paid by companies when they hire. Um, and so, so companies looking much. for someone very specific and they're having trouble filling that role, finding that person. So they talk to you. Exactly. And I would say beyond that, um, what I've always found in my model is I think it pays really well if you do it well. And because I'm somewhat financially beholden to my clients, one thing I've always had in terms of attitude, desire to just build and establish relations with anyone in my space um, and try to add as much value as well. I feel like that's kind of the underpinning of my business. One, establishing and uh, kind of maintaining a very meaningful, uh, I'm sorry, reputation in the market, but also um, really just making sure that I'm adding value wherever I can. 
a lot of the conversations I tend to have are just for coffee, to be a sounding board. Um, I'm, I'm regularly reminded of the, the Google engineer who had the rubber duck. It's like um, you go to his office and uh, there's a sign up that asks, asks your question of the rubber duck booking him so much as just saying your question out loud. I would think oh, yeah. so much of the value I provide people I mean, I have a lot of anecdotal knowledge around salary negotiations, market, which company to be stay away from. But there's also a certain amount of just creating a forum with a space of trust where people just feel comfortable to kind of have a guidance. That's a lot of the work I do. And, you know, sometimes I'm on a search and someone happens to be right for it. But I do the vast majority of my conversations and kind of finding out what's going on in their interesting life. Because Yeah, yeah totally. I think... Some people understand this very well, other people not so much, but it is totally true, that cliche that, that you get what you give and it totally balances out. And the more you're free with the advice and help that you give people, connections, sounding board, all of that stuff definitely definitely comes back. I definitely, I recommend that also for, for junior developers starting out just to, to be available, networking with other people, that's that's all being being more free with your time i think is very important yeah there's this trope in general that i see um i obviously hear a lot of stories about other a candidate i'm working with who's also working with another stories that come up um i think we're a bit of an industry pariah on the whole uh but you know there's definitely this thing that happens where I think a lot of recruiters know that they're seen as kind of a necessary evil. So they just, they don't go out of their way. I'm serious. They don't go out of their way. Like someone's expecting you to like hard convince you to take something against your, uh, you know, better judgment. They just kind of lean into that and go with it. Whereas, I don't know, I feel like one of the things I've always tried to do is make sure I'm having a, a much more meta conversation about a How are you? Gonna... Um, <laughs> but similarly with junior developers, there's the trope that I see sometimes where it's like, I'm kind of waiting for them to ask me if I have any jobs for them, mm. where it's like, there's a certain amount of feeling out the room and getting to know people and kind of showing your social skills. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like that rapport goes. Over. Yeah. So let's actually talk about that. I do think a lot of uh, junior developers out there or aspiring developers are very intent on figuring out how the job market works. And I think they've heard of recruiters and they may think of recruiters as, oh, that's the person to talk to who will give me a job or find me a job. Now, I think in your case, right, a lot of companies are looking to fill very specialized roles. And more often than not, those are not something that they're, they're looking for someone out of a boot camp or as a junior. Uh, but that's not to say that, that uh, I, I've heard you have very helpful conversations with juniors. And what, what would you say what would be the path for a junior or an aspiring dev to get to the point where contingency recruiters are looking? That's a good question. Um, so first of all, I would say hiring managers are, uh, I would say contingency recruiters are always an extension of the hiring. And I'm talking about startups because that's where I specialize, but time is such a negative for hiring, really just working as hard as they can to find that other job. And that's in addition to their job. Um, I would say so much of what you're trying to do is find a way to stand out and technically really be that very obvious. Um, you know, a lot of that is kind of 
immutable stuff that you're not going to be able to change in a day. Building out your resume and adding experience that they want to see before trusting your production. There are other things that go a long way toward those like getting in the door positions, I would say. Um, you know, my, my mentor always about in, like, if someone makes you an offer, you want to set a positive. Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of kind of communicating certain things, um, almost non um, and, and a lot of those things uh, tend to boil down to like showing a hiring manager you reliable in setting. Uh, communication is one of the most difficult things in a software as far as I'm, I think communication might actually harder, uh, like processing communication can be harder than uh, texting down, build systems, like different technical challenges almost get a run for their money challenge. Oh, I absolutely. Think that's something, yeah, I think that's something to be acutely aware of. Um, you know, there are definitely certain things that I've seen over time that like really important signals, like um, something that whenever I'm screening somebody for the, backing up whenever I get on the phone with somebody um, for the first time, I'm always trying to establish a sense of who they are before thinking about the time hiring, mostly with the intent of kind of getting an unbiased who they are and what their interests are so that waste their time. in the um, Because there might be things that just would make them not a good fit for any of your open searches sure. or i mean i'm definitely i'm acting on behalf of two parties at any given right i'm definitely trying to understand fit for my client i would say one of the biggest things that i look when someone say telling them because the first question i was for the most part is like how did you you into this i like open-ended questions so can kind of take me and i'll correct them if they start meandering or getting a little coarse um, but the thing I really like is what my mentor always, um, mm. first of all, it's tell me the punchline and then don't make me wait to understand where you're going with this. It's not story. a murder mystery. It's a journalism column. Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, hard question. Uh, have you ever worked with Django before? No. Well, it all started when I was 14. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it's, it's like one thing a hiring manager really wants to see is a direct, they don't ever want to feel like you're, God forbid, dodging the question. Yes, comma, no comma, continue. Absolutely. So like, I have not worked with Django, but I have worked with Rails. And here's how I see it as an analog. Here's what I understand. Here's what I've done with Python as well. Here's how I would feel confident ramping up on this technology. Um, two minute story, but you tell the punchline and you tell the joke and you've directly answered their question and you've elaborated it. That even if it's not like the I answer, like, yes, I have five years of Django. Um, you're at least giving them a picture of what it would be. Yeah, totally. So like They're that... basically asking, are you where I want you to be? And you can either say, yes, I'm there and here's some credentials to back it up or no, but here's how I plan to get there really soon. Yeah, and the the meta of that is I asked you a question, you answered, and you stayed <laughs> concise, and I didn't have to do the awkward thing of like correcting it. Like I, I had a candidate somewhat recently, I was interviewing, and it was for a remote position as well, which I feel like puts a lot more onus on the care. I see remote work as much as skill set as um, this candidate in particular, uh, I got on the phone with them and it was one word answer. And I remembered thinking like, I think this person, and I, <laughs> I, I tend to not rock the boat too much when someone say lacking in etiquette, like I'll usually let the conversation, there could always be that thing where someone just doesn't like recruiters. And that's, that's honestly okay. I've seen a lot of people with a lot of baggage for a lot of reasons. Um, but this candidate in particular, uh, they went for a call with the internal 30 minute. And interestingly enough, they warmed up over about half of it. 
And I liked them enough to submit them and they felt like a good fit. And the internal recruiter gave the exact same feedback to me, although the candidate didn't. So with the hiring manager and the internal recruiter, I basically had like to give them some feedback. I feel like they're just a little awkward and warm up. The candidate, I, I was like, look, I, I couldn't tell if you didn't like our call. Um, and they were like, you know what? Honestly, I'm just a little bit nervous and I don't really know how to start the impression. I'd love some feedback. And I basically told them like, what you want to do is prepare yourself. You want to be prepared with a lot of questions to understand the job you're in. Research the company. The research will yield more questions heed and you will come off enthusiastic and interested even if you're not one of those people who naturally like sells themselves in an interview. Because I never tell people to like, I, I never tell people to, if you're kind of WB frog in an interview, you shouldn't have to do a great, great reference. But I think, um, in that case, the candidate actually took feedback extremely well. Mm. Um, and the, it was also nice. I wasn't I was expecting to, that's where it was going. Well, this is also the, the kind of, um, value I would say I try to provide in any given process is a lot of like, unearthing assumptions and mitigating surprises and just making sure everybody's on the same page. Um, you know, the hiring manager took that feedback and was also on the same page as everyone else. When the CTO got around to having this candidate, um, they knew the candidate had coached on this. They were waiting to see how the candidate would take the, um, and the candidate took the coaching well, and it showed like a trajectory within free conversations, which is oh, man. Talk about a skill too, being coachable that like communication, being coachable. Those are both worth, I was going to say their weight in gold, but absolutely. Uh, and yeah. the unfortunate aspect of interviewing too, you honestly just don't get that code. Usually mm -hmm. it's just, you don't hear back and, oh yes, by the way, two was a pass. So these are things that you have to be aware of because if you're unaware of them, they are definitely just come back. And yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about what hiring managers are looking for. You've certainly worked with a lot of companies, a lot of hiring managers. We've touched on communication. I brought up being coachable. What, yeah, what do hiring managers want to see in a developer? So Attitude is definitely a very big deal. Um, so uh, here's an anecdote that would definitely. Um, I placed a candidate just three weeks ago, a general assembly graduate with less than five years. This candidate actually fast-tracked um, in an org that was rewriting a PHP application to Node. And the candidate was really interesting. You know, I would say a lot of school graduates I come across, they're kind of a product or environment. They're not given a ton of and that can be tough. Um, this candidate had actually earned a lead role in their first five years, and part of it was their attitude. I remember asking, oh God, a PH rewrite, UI frame, React, like that just doesn't sound fun. And they were like, I don't know, I'm just getting started and learning new language at the same time kind of gives you this analog to learn from. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it can be not the best quality of life, but it was extremely educational and I took a lot away from it and I might even do it again. Just that attitude of being open-ended about the next opportunity and really stating an interest, culture, interesting product, not just like, if I'm not working on it. <laughs> There's a... I don't think, I think everyone's entitled to their sentence. Oh I man, I don't know. That, it's, <laughs> I, that is a trope I've seen in some very junior developers is this technology snobbery that, that if something isn't using whatever thing that they just heard is the greatest ever on medium. I would even dare give them the benefit of the doubt that it's not even so much snobbery as this 
almost like brittle presumption that if your resume does have X, Y, Z, it is not like min max optimal to get the best possible salary. And I think careers are just more holistic. I get that question a lot. Like a data engineer will ask me, like, should I be learning these AWS Google app? In Those technologies are so fleeting, though. Whatever yeah, it, is hot right now depends. is going to last like two years. Absolutely. It depends on who is in front of you at the time. If it's a great company that's taking off with leadership in place, that's you go app in. <laughs> um, I think I think that's one of those things that bugs me a lot on both sides of the table is, you know, sometimes a company has a very immediately effective, but I've definitely seen that a lot where somebody requires very specific expertise. Honestly, I don't think that's interesting for a lot of engineers to just do the same project they'd forge a setting. Um, mm -hmm. I think that room to learn and skill set is fine. Um, but yeah, just that attitude of, oh, guys are using Rails. That's cool. Um, sure, there's going to be some drawbacks to it, but I'm going to go in with an open mind and, oh, look at that. The people are really cool and the product's really Because I've seen a lot of companies using really cool tech that's like, <laughs> it goes both ways. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That, I mean, that is interesting, right? I mean, as a developer coming into a company, what are those cues that you're walking into a cultural dumpster fire, so to speak? So... As far as companies that I really like, um, starting off, I can talk about what I love. Um, all of the hiring processes that I've seen, because I think when you've, and you know it, it becomes obvious. Uh, being completely transparent, I probably turned down six or seven, maybe as many as 10 in a, a very aggressive market uh, clients to every one that I take, because for one reason or another, they might not be you know, a fit for the very low volume, high quality model that I run. And all of that to say, like a lot of the best hiring processes I've seen, you know, they're an extension of the company called they're derived from this meaningful. Uh, usually there's like a leader in the engineer. One of my best, uh, was a VP of multiple data departments at easily the biggest technology companies as they were in LA. And it was really a sight to see how they could instinctively navigate the hirings just take an hour to talk with somebody and either that person phenomenal liar or this <laughs> VP of engineering has them pegged in exactly who they are. Um, I think over time you learn to make these gut decisions with conviction based a lot of mentorship. And that's also to say like, I think really good hiring managers, they are coming into the room with this desire to help the candidate, mm. not just screen out the bad candidate, because that actually feels like, and I talk to candidates about this all the time, they'll be interviewing elsewhere and they're like stressful and I feel like I'm putting on a show or just trying to trap. It, it doesn't feel right. Well, I think there's um, a bit of confirmation bias and self-fulfilling prophecy for hiring managers. And, you know, there are, there are plenty that do this, unfortunately, but that they go in trying to find the weak spots, like you're saying. They, they go in expecting the candidate to be not great and they're just looking for ways to prove it to themselves, as opposed to what you say where uh, there are quite some good hiring managers that want to go in thinking, oh, this candidate is good. Let me see what I can do to, to help them show it. So the candidate that I just played, the one that I had mentioned, one of their biggest challenges, they get really nervous. They're still building up their fundamentals. They don't have a CS background. Who do the washout of um, They were interviewing with another company, and I was actually honest, and I remember they actually were passed on by a very narrow margin on the text, the, the feedback they had gotten. You just see, and 
I almost feel like, you know, it's kind of like uh, people say that like shots fired in a war is a failure, right? Like <laughs> diplomacy has failed, we're at war kind of thing. <laughs> in this case, I feel like that's almost a failure on the end. If a candidate is, like, don't get me wrong, nerves are nerves and you can only do so much to mitigate them. But I feel like it reminds me of a friend of mine um, was at a, uh, a post acquisition company from, we number like, he came out of QA, the lead engineer on a project that's super high scale. Go, he's a very talented and very thought, and he reads a lot about process, sure. And one of the things he always told me about really trying to create empathy within a company, uh, one of the things he would do if a candidate at all nervous on site, just ask them if they, he would actually call out the elephant in the room, just say like, hey, you seem a little uncomfortable. Maybe you just want to like take a walk. Mm -hmm. and we can learn a little bit about each other. Huge. And he said every time he did it, uh, the candidate would basically like their shoulders would relax. They say, no, 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 I'm good. And then they would start the interview. And it was like a, a it was almost like a split into an alternate reality where the candidate just does <laughs> a little bit better than they would have otherwise. Sliding doors. There's an alternate universe where, where that just didn't go so well. Yeah, and I think about that very regularly. I think like, you know, it's interesting. There are sometimes like, I, I, I can sense sometimes that a company wants to be very careful about their code test because like an outside, keep a crib sheet to the candidate or something. I would never go so far as like, want a candidate to get a job that they qualified for. But I do think there are a lot of steps that you can take to bring out the best in somebody so you get an accurate depiction of who they are. Because somebody's got clammy hands or shaking. I mean, it's interesting, right? To perform on the job? Like <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's interesting, right? It's like, are you, are you optimizing for people who have taken improv classes? Like, does that matter for you? And it might. But the truth is, I understand where the bias against nerves and uncertainty comes from. If I ask a candidate a question and they don't seem confident about it, how can I be confident in that answer? So sure. I, do, I do get that. Um, with a lot of my engineers that I manage, I never want to give them the answer. And so if they, if they come to me with a uncertain, wavering tone, it just feels like they haven't really thought about it and they're fishing for me to like nod my head yes or shake sure. my head no and, and so that I can take some of that decision-making away from them. But I don't really think that's what's going on in a lot of these interviews. I think it's just interviews fucking suck and yeah. most people are going to be nervous. And I don't know if, oh, this person is not nervous in interviews is really a great signal. It could just sure. mean that they interview a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of the thing, right? I went to school for music performance. And one of the things I always learned is preparation nerves. It makes you bulletproof in playing a person further. Like improvising is just that much more preparation. And I don't know, I just, I get that you want to be well prepared. Like there are certain rules that I think you develop. Like this is a system as it exists. Yes, you want to be prepared to interview well. But I guess more what I'm getting at is kind of revisiting the, the original question, which is, you know, what a... What am I telling a candidate? There are a lot of companies that do interview. Um, one of my best and longest running clients, uh, they started out with very human approach that does not, oh my God, it worked really well from growing up to about 75 to 100 people. And I think it's a little harder. Uh, but basically this UI engineering would start out, um, obviously like I'm triaging and handpicking a lot of rest. So they're getting one twentieth, one tenth of the volume, the higher volume recruiters or job board or traditional means. So I've already kind of screened that first round, but 
basically the hiring manager with a lot of trust and then take the candidate and meet them in person for the first conversation. Sit down at a table, have a cup of coffee or a beer. A little difficult these days. Yeah, especially right now. But it would basically be let's meet up and uh, just, for lack of a better term, geek out on JavaScript. Mm -hmm. What is it that you love about technology? And, And it's that understanding someone's enthusiasm for their job, which is first criteria with this org, which I think is a big deal. Understanding someone's passion, interest, drive. Um, because, you know, if you're at a startup and you're putting in sweat, you probably want to. Oh, totally. Like if, yeah, look, just, just thinking about a 40 hour week, week over week, if you're not excited about that, it's really going to show in your output. And maybe if you're at a big company like Oracle, that's a cruise ship, like you only have to put in 30 minutes a day and the rest you can spend on Facebook or whatever goes on over there. I don't really know. Sorry for throwing Oracle no. under the brush. It's just uh, <laughs> what I what I imagine it's like. Uh, then it's a different story. But I think for some of these smaller companies, that enthusiasm really matters. Sure. And and I think, so essentially this guy would sit down, he would have a cup of coffee or a beer and start out the conversation that way. Once they got past that first round and there was like this... Um, Basically, they would kind of dig around in their projects and find something practical for the candidate. In one case, it was like, let's stub it out in our technology, uh, prep it. And again, this does not scale. Pretty labor intensive Mm -hmm. on the hiring man. But they would stub it out, throw together a private GitHub repo, and send the candidate a contract that says, no matter what you do, write one line of code and fail the interview, you still get $3,000. Spend as much or as little time as you want on it. Um, if you can get it done in two hours and it's what we asked for, get it done in two hours and what we asked for. Um, but they would basically pay someone for their time to do a take-home, which I think covers the number one argument against a take-home was, you know, working mom doesn't have time to go home and this exercise or someone has a lot of outside requirements. There are a lot of arguments against the take-home. But I do think the take-home exercise is that you're not on a clock with staring at you under a heat lamp um, required <laughs> to perform. You're able to do it in the same context that you did at work. And a little bit, diving a little bit deeper in this example, one of the things I really loved about it was the emphasis, obviously you want to deliver a working product in the time they do, but it's also about asking questions. They would kind of purposefully be vague. It's kind of like the Great British Bake Off when they have these uh, recipes they give you where you kind of have to know baking really well to get certain aspects of it because they're being mm-hmm. vague about how to make a sourdough loaf uh, or a baguette. Um, similarly, they would kind of leave it vague so you would know to ask a series of questions. Mm. Um, it was a lot of testing your communication skills more than just like, get JavaScript and can you get the best efficiency <laughs> on this solution. Um, which, I mean, that stuff is important in a lot of contexts, but I think it is overemphasized in, to an app. Uh, uh, yeah, I yeah, completely agree. So wrapping up, sounds like as a developer, Things that you should really keep in mind when in one of these interviews is level of interest, right? I think you were, you were saying effectively that to be interested is to be interesting, and that's, that's really important. Yeah, to be bored is to be boring. I think that is absolutely <laughs> true. Um, I think, you know, there's a certain amount of getting to know yourself and bringing a certain... Cause Ultimately, what you're doing here is selling you. Um, a resume is a sales document that's intended to get you an interview. An interview is you showing up and selling you. And yeah. these are the signals that you're sending. Um, yeah, and then, you, and then reliability, right? That's another really important one. 
Absolutely. And that's another one. I, I think a lot of people tend to take for granted, especially once they get over that of getting in. Uh, this is for senior engineers. This drives me a I had a candidate somewhat recently. They were interviewing. They had an offer on the horizon. And navigating offers um, is tricky on a good day, um, spread out. But this candidate had a, a, a final round with a hiring. They were waiting on an offer to come in. Basically, they didn't show up. And I got a call from them 15 minutes after the interview. And the candidate was like, oh, yeah, well, I got this other offer and I think I'm going to take it. And I'm like, so you're calling me 15 minutes after a hiring manager has been sitting there wondering where you are to tell me that you've taken another offer. Like, don't get me wrong. I appreciate your honesty here. But like, don't you think you could have managed your own reputation a bit better? Like, for me, that's just that's like so childish. That's not what that's not how I expect a grown up. Yeah. And I think those kind of behaviors, like my mentor, this is like sales training 101, but I think what we're talking about here are sales principle applied to. Um, It's this making agreements and sticking with them. It's very Mm. basic, but it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to call you at one o'clock. I'm not going to call you at 105. Um, You know, it's, it's a very specific, like you would be amazed at the power of agreeing to something and do repeating. Yeah, Um, I could, I could definitely go off on that one for a long time. (laughs) And, uh, and then of course, communication, your two minute story, the, the, uh, the, the joke up, the the punchline up front, and then the joke. I think that's incredibly huge as well. Learning to like preparing answers to questions you know you're going to get in an interview. Um, there's stuff like, um, I think predictive indexes you question. It's almost like Myers, but mm. actual science behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of it is this premise of like, okay, tell me about um, uh, a difficult situation with a coworker and how it was. Uh, tell me about the most difficult bug or the most interesting bug. Mm-hmm. These kind of questions, like, being prepared and full about those kind of things um, so that they don't catch you off guard. Yeah. And really thinking pre-visualizing, that's ultimately what being creatively prepared is, is pre-visualizing. Um, you're preparing yourself uh, to answer succinctly. That's very, very important, like a lot of hiring. And awesome. it's lacking in a lot of engineers. Yeah. Awesome. So those are really good takeaways. Last question. What would you say to a developer who just graduated from a coding school and is looking for their first job, what would you recommend that they do? Hmm. What, what should their path be? So the first piece of advice I would give is that it's, it's going to be hard. It's not easy. The first five years are really difficult. Um, I would almost liken it to the difficulty I faced as a recruiter coming up in a market. What you're doing is you're trying to get the, you're actually starting out recruiter. You're trying to get the attention of very busy hiring men. Um, and they're expecting you to reach out. Uh, 20 of you have reached out this month. Um, I saw something the other day where uh, a director of engineering posted an internship. They got 120 a day before sending it out and in 11. <laughs> consider that response rate. Consider the acceptance rate just to get to this round. Um, and that's the kind of competition you're running up against. A lot of people have decided to get into these. Now, on the whole, I think code schools are a net positive. I think uh, they are democratizing access and creating badly to diversity in a very white male industry. Um, I think it's a great thing, but I also think uh, there's a disparity of talent. I think everybody needs extremely senior uh, engineers who contribute at a very high velocity, very little touch. And there are a lot of people looking for work. The thing to keep in mind is that hiring managers, they're looking at you an investment. And a common trope in this industry too is that 
you know, you hire somebody, you train them up, give them the benefit of all of this knowledge that you compiled over in production environment. You took from mentors yourself and suddenly they got 20 grand more from another company and they were interviewing there. And it, it's, it's really difficult to, to know as a hiring manager that you're going to make a good bet on a young candidate because I do think there's something to be said for the washout rate. I think that does a lot of work out of hiring managers because mm. a lot of people go to code school, they learn some JavaScript, they get out of code school, and then they don't really know what the grind of the, the advice I would give. Um, go establish yourself as a known quantity. Um, in an ideal world, when you're interviewing, like the, the best people I know don't have, like designers, they don't have portfolios because they didn't have to, because their boss left the job and they took along with them months later when they're, uh, you're a known quantity to that hiring man. And they already know they don't even have to invest in you so much as just pin you. My job is to kind of try to extend that dynamic by establishing both sides and creating a space for get to know each other. Um, but when you're out there networking on your own and there are 50 other people like you, it's hard. Um, I would say what you're looking to do is like, obviously you've got to make money. You've got to get a job. Uh, but there's also this component of just getting to know people without the added energy of, you know, cause a lot of people show up at JSF. They're looking for a job. They showed up there because, and similarly, I'll, I'll use myself as an analog. When I first started working, I went to meetups and I knew there was this trope of like, oh, Nobody wants to see a recruiter meetup, let's face it. Um, and part of that is because that recruiter is showing up and waiting to ask every person for a job. They don't want to have that conversation. There. Um, as a rule, especially as an organizer at JSLA, I don't talk about jobs. I say, here's my contact in if you're interested. And I also don't approach people and solicit myself as a recruiter. What I do is try to find interest people to get to know. And so you would say, you would say for that developer, if they do go to an event like JSLA or something like that, when they are talking, you're, how do you, how do you suggest that they approach it? Oh, I would say approaching it one, as I did, uh, as a learning opportunity, mm -hmm. um, as someone who has a basic understanding of technology, it is very tempting sometimes, especially having gone to seven years now, seven years of JSLA. Um, sometimes I'm tired after work and it's very tempting for me to pull out my phone and just browse while someone's talking about some new test frame because it has no real impact on my day to day. But there's also something to be said for showing up with the intent of learning from speakers, have something, mm -hmm. um, really focusing in on understanding the technologies being shared at these meetups is a big deal. Um, and there's a lot of educational opportunity. Uh, the other aspect is really just getting to know people. I, I know like putting yourself out there, but establishing relationships and going on a consistent and kind of starting to angle toward that known entity is a big deal. Um, like being first in someone's mind is competitive. That was what it was for me when I went to school for sound and the, the progression was start from nothing. It was, you were going to be a runner, an unpaid intern who gets coffee for the sound and in a very narrow margin industry. And basically what you wanted to eventually be was the person they thought of when they had a project and they were looking to pay somebody. They meetups are probably your best proxies at startups. So just showing up being your own self, being inquisitive and getting to know people with relatively minimal agenda is, I, I can't overstate how it's. And mm. I'll also say, I was very awkward. I'm <laughs> kind of introverted myself. Like, I remember I used to have to go to these, uh, it was the Docstock uh, fireside chats. They were the like tech business network. And um, 
I would walk the room after the talk where everybody was grouping up to have conversations and I would just make eye contact with someone, lose my nerve and leave the conversation before starting it and then do that with every conversation before realizing I'd made it too awkward. Um, at JSLA, yeah, it's so much fun. It was so good. I, I guess I say that as a, an indicator of like, if I network for a living and I've managed to do this, so too can you. Um, yeah. And a lot of that is just like, make a friend, mm. find your people and just kind of hang out. Uh, for the first little while at JSLA, I remember I was just hanging out and talking with you, maybe Jacob, maybe a couple of other people, but there's a hundred people in the room. I'm not going around trying to make friends with all hundred in the room. Um, it's more just kind of finding your, and that takes time and it takes patience. Um, but that's probably the biggest thing I would argue, patience. Um, there's definitely a, a huge hump to get over in terms of that whatever the heck here means, but... <laughs> Talk all about that. Yeah, but when you get there, the demand is virtually limitless. Um, mm. You have so much leverage to negotiate your dream job, um, but it's really just about finding those establish establishing. That's another um, thing to be looking for. Couldn't agree more. I think I think that is right. I think going going to where people in the industry are, learning to speak the language, the culture, seeing what it's like to be a leader in that field, being interested in that. Again, being interested is interesting, being bored is boring, and make friends because introductions are gonna come through friends and it's, it's about starting out, getting those initial jobs, getting that experience. And like you say, once you get a number of years under your belt, things really start to change. Spencer, it is always awesome hanging out with you, my friend. Absolutely. Uh, where can people uh, find about you online? Okay, so I'm on Twitter. I have a website. Uh, the name of my firm is called Fulcrum Hire. Uh, it's fulcrumhire, H-I-R-E dot com. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm a, uh, but You're yeah. also on the JSLA Slack? Yeah, I'm in the Spencer JSLA Allen. Slack. Um, yeah, if you want to come chat with me about any of this stuff, I'm always available. Um, yeah, I always enjoy these conversations and getting to know uh, new people. So um, yeah, feel free to Awesome, Spencer. Thanks for joining me. All right, folks, that's it for today. I'm David Gutman, and I hope you join me again next time for Junior to Senior.